Well, hello and good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this Saturday night. We have the Moment Worship Team here with us all the way from the United Kingdom. If everybody would stand to their feet, and I'm going to turn it over to my friend Dan at this time. Uh, well, thank you. Good evening, everybody. How are you feeling? We are delighted and thrilled to be with you tonight. We're believing for an encounter with Jesus Christ. Can we have an amen? Where there is unity, God commands a blessing. And whether we're from the UK or America, we are here together. And we are absolutely thrilled. Thank you for the invitation. Trevor, it's been good meeting you today. So we're believing for God to move in power in this house tonight. We're going to be hosting a night of worship, of testimonies, and then we want an opportunity to pray for people. If you're in need tonight, we believe that God can meet you right where you are. He's a good and gracious God. Um, I want to start by reading Isaiah 55 from the New Living Translation. It says this, Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. I want to say tonight, are you hungry? Are you thirsty to meet God? We don't want to just turn up and out of ritual. We want to turn out of relationship with Jesus Christ. I love that. Later on in the verse, it says, Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. We believe as we worship Jesus, as we put Him in His rightful place, that God's going to move amongst us. As we come with our hearts and eyes wide open, God's going to do the miraculous in here tonight. Can we have an amen? So if you're able, why don't you... Raise your hands up as a way to say, God, I'm here. I'm hungry. God, I'm thirsty for your presence. God, I am hungry to see you move in power tonight. We say, Father, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for freedom. We give you all the praise. We give you all the honor. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's worship.
make some declarations. We're going to start by singing, Prodigals Come Home. The helpless find home, because love is on the move. Let's sing it out. Sing, Prodigals Come Home. The helpless find home, because love is on the move. When the Father's in the room, prison doors, prison doors fling wide. The dead come to If you're comfortable, just begin to sing out. If you do that here, if you don't know what to do, we usually tell people, just sing out the name of Jesus. Don't worry the person to the left or to the right. We're one family here this evening. You're just as much in the band as we are.
miracles. Miracles take place. The cynical fire fades. love is breaking through. When the fathers, the Jericho walls, the Jericho walls are weak, but strongholds now shaking. Love is breaking through. When the fathers in the room.
Everybody having a good time so far? You know, if this style is a little bit different to what you're used to, thank you for bearing with us. But we'd also like to maybe teach you a couple of our own songs, you know. And if you don't like those, just sing your favorite song over the top. I won't be offended, but I can tell you, you, you need to come with us everywhere. This, this lady here, she is a, a good help. I wrote this song uh, a number of years ago, just based out of the scriptures really about, it says, lifting your eyes above the mountains for there, where your help comes from. And um, this song we, we use quite a lot in, in the UK, and um, I'd love to teach you the chorus of that, if that's okay. It's pretty simple, because I wrote it four chords, and then these guys add all the extra nice bits. I just give it the, the best go I can. And so goes like this. If the chorus could go up, it's the mountains bow down. Some mountains bow down, the waters will part. In Jesus' name, the storm be calm. Your fire of love light up the dark. There we go. God of the ages, I give you might. Let's start that again. Mountains bow. Some mountains bow down. The waters will part. In Jesus' name, the storm become. You fire of love, light up the dark. So God of the ages, I give you my
We're going to make a declaration together. This bridge says, Lord, at your word, the earth will shake. The blind will see, the dead will wake. But your church will rise and all will see that you and you alone have the victory. So sing this together. Lord, at your word. Lord, at your word, the earth will shake. The blind will see and the dead will wake. Your church will rise. Your church will rise and all will see. song's a little bit older, but you may remember it. So Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. And I live for you alone. Every breath. Every breath that I take. Every moment I'm away. Lord, have your 
thanksgiving, your praise, your gratitude for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, a name that is higher than any other name.
every song must end but you never do so I throw up my hands I praise you again and again cause all that I have is a hallelujah a hallelujah and I know it's not bless the Lord. And sometimes we need to tell our souls to sing. So this is really simple. It's going to say, come on my soul. Here we go. So come on my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your soul. You got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Can we get the words up? Come on. So come on my soul. Don't you get shy on me, lift up your, you've got a lion, you got a lion inside of those lungs, get up and, there we go, hey, we know it now, come on my soul, come on my soul, don't you get shy on me, lift up your song. All that I have is a hallelujah, a hallelujah. And I know it's not, nothing else fit for my people, except for a heart singing Shout your praise. 
sense of the presence of God in this house. God is moving and I, I just get a real sense for you, Lake Church, that God is going to be deepening your levels of trust in Him. And as I was praying for you earlier, I felt that God had given you many dreams and visions and that you still needed to trust God with them dreams and visions. Is there someone in your heart that you've said, yes to God for or is there something you believe in for that he's going to deepen your trust levels and this verse came to me Matthew 16 verse 21 out of the message it says this check this out then Jesus went to work on his disciples anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead you're not in the driver's seat I am don't run from suffering embrace it follow me and I will show you how you're not in the driver's seat I got a real sense of as you're moving forward with them dreams that God was saying, he's in the driver's seat, follow him, but you can trust him. And I remember when I was in a meeting like this, this guy came up and he prophesied over me and he said, Dan, you're going to be a great dad. You're going to have several kids. And at the time I wasn't married or anything, and I was like, whoa, that seems quite full on. And I remember, I met my wife and it, we had, it was really hard for us to get um, to have kids we had to go through IVF program and we were trusting God because I, I was going on this word that we we're going to have kids anyway we had our first son called Hudson and then uh, we were trusting God for more kids and through the IVF the second treatment didn't work the third treatment didn't work and we had one treatment left and I remember saying to God I've got to, I've got to trust you I feel like I'm going to be dad there's going to be more kids 
You're in the driver's seat. I trust you. I trust you. Anyway, we got pregnant with our last round of IVF. And as we get pregnant, my wife Jo had a major bleed. And we were like, oh, no, it's not going to happen. And one of our mates grabbed us and said, no, Dan, in faith, you're going to be a great dad. You need to hold on to promises that you've got for God. The next day, a great uh, preacher, a vicar from uh, Baghdad called the uh, Andrew Cannon White. I don't know if you've come across him. He was coming to our church, and he's the vicar of Baghdad. And uh, he came into the room, and I got chatting to him. It was a real privilege to meet him. And he held me this book, Trevor. It was this Bible. And he goes, do you know what that is? And I thought, yeah, I'm a Christian. I do know it's a Bible. And he said, this is the Bible of a guy called Smith Wigglesworth. Has anyone come across Smith Wigglesworth? He's this famous evangelist healer. He came from England. He did crazy things. He used to boot people in the stomach and they'd be healed for cancer. Anyway, he said, open the Bible. And I opened the Bible and a heartbeat came out of the Bible. It was like, it was, it was, it was like, wow, a heartbeat came out of the Bible. I looked around and thought, has anyone, has anyone else felt this heartbeat? And I felt, it's God saying, you can trust me. The next day, we went to the uh, doctors and they were doing a scan. And they said, Dan and Joe, you've got a little baby, a healthy, and they use these words, holy, heartbeat is there. And we had our baby, and we called our baby our second child. We called him Smith after Smith Wigglesworth. I want to say to you, late church, as I was praying for you, I feel that God is saying you can trust him with dreams that you've had. You can trust him. He's in the driver's seat. Trust him because he can. He is faithful. He is worthy to be trusted. Well, what a pleasure and privilege it is to be here. Why don't you grab your seats? We're going to share testimony. Give someone a fist bump. Say it's good to see you in church on a Saturday night. <laughs> I would love to invite my good friend up, Wayne, everyone. This is Wayne. Can we give him a big shout out? A big round of applause. Wayne is an awesome guy, and uh, he's from one of our partner organizations, Battelle, and he's just got a phenomenal testimony. Wayne, why don't you tell us a bit about Battelle for those who might not know? So the organization I'm, I'm a part of, we, uh, we're a Christian community that looks after drug addicts and alcoholics, men and women. We have centers all over the world. We have 100 communities in 24 countries now. Started in 1985 with one addict in Spain. And it's just grew and grew. And over 98% of those centers are actually pastored and directed by men and women that have come through the program. They came through the program, Jesus set them free, and now they're doing the same for other people through Jesus. And it's, a, it's quite an amazing place. I love that. So tell us about a bit about your story then. How did you come into Patel and what was your life like before Patel? <laughs> uh, yeah, so, is it PG rated? <laughs> o ratings only. Uh, so, I grew up in a family in, in the north of England, uh, in a city called Leeds, and my dad was, uh, my dad was a typical gangster. I mean, he cut safes open, he did armed robberies, he ran drugs up and down the country, did all kinds of stuff. And uh, we grew up, and so for me, that was normal. I grew up in that. I grew up always to be told, don't trust the police, never talk to the police. If the police knock on the door, never open the door. I mean, it was like, you know, it was like what you see in the movies. 
And there was always drugs around the house. So by the time I was like 11, I was, I was rolling joints, smoking joints, taking uh, tablets, drinking. And this kind of affected me at my schoolwork and everything. So I progressed slowly with my friends. Uh, when I was 14, I was being bullied at school. And uh, this guy was big. He was a big dude. And one day I just had enough. And it's just, I think for myself, right, it was down to the drugs I was taking as well. But I just snapped one day. I walked back into the body workshop. I got this hammer, went outside school, and I just hit him full force in the forehead. Uh, put the guy in a coma. He was on life support for a week. Uh, I got taken away from home, 14 years old, and I got put in a jail with grown-ups uh, for a year while the case was being tendered. And when I got out after a year, I mean, I learned an awful lot in that year. And when I got out after a year, I was a full-on criminal. I got involved with football hooliganism. Uh, went to a football match one day, quick story, got stabbed in the eye. Uh, nearly lost my eye at the football match. Had a seven hour operation, was in hospital for a week. The Saturday after, Leeds were playing again. So I sneaked out of the hospital, went to the match, started fighting, got hit in the face. The whole operation came undone, my eye was hanging out. Had to go back to hospital have another operation, but none of this kind of, it never put a stop to anything because A, I didn't know Jesus, and B, this is, it was a lifestyle. It was a lifestyle, drugs, fighting, drinking, criminal activities, it was the things we did, you know? But everything catches up with you. And then one day after like this, this mad run, crack cocaine had hit England in 1985, and I went berserk. I was smoking so much crack, I didn't know what was going on. And uh, the police came to my mum and dad's one day, the door got open, and my mum woke me up by shaking my leg and just said, don't move, love. And I opened my eyes, and the armed police were in the room with guns trained on me. And uh, I went to jail for nine years. Yeah, so I did seven and a half years. The night before I was getting out, I remember sitting on the window ledge in the prison. The prison that I was in is the oldest prison in England. It was built for French revolutionaries and above the gates in Latin it says, abandon hope all you that enter this place and it's the exact words it says above the gates of hell in Dante's Inferno and so, you know, it was quite a scary place. The night before I'm getting out, I'm sat on this window ledge and I'm thinking, you know what? Why am I going out? I can't read, I can't write. Who in their right mind is even going to give me the time of day? You know, I'm a junkie. I'll always be a junkie. It's just the way it is. But God had a different plan. Do you want me to carry on? <laughs> God had a different plan. And when I got out of jail, I was out for a while, running around, doing my thing. Still a junkie. And one day I was driving this car through Leeds. And I was trying to inject heroin and crack at the same time, a snowball. And my car kind of swerved sideways up a one-way street, the wrong way round. Wrong way round. The door opened and I fell out of the car. And there was a pastor. It was at the back of a church. There was a pastor stood at the back door talking to this guy. They came over, picked me up, parked the car, took me in the office, and began to pray for me. And uh, when I came round, they began to tell me about this place called Batel. 
where I've been for the past 25 years. And I just said, yeah, I want to go. I was desperate, man. I, I needed help. I knew I needed help. I didn't know what kind of help I needed, and I didn't know where I was going to get it from. And I didn't know Jesus, but I just knew something was broken and it needed to be fixed. And so I went to this place, and to be quite honest, I walked in on a Friday night service, and I thought they were all bonkers. I actually thought they were worse off than I was, and I was a junkie. So I'm thinking, man, you've got problems, you guys. But, you know, they began telling me about Jesus, and I, 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 there's one thing about junkies, you know another junkie when you see one. And I was looking at guys, and I knew that they'd been in that same position as me. And so they were telling me about Jesus. And after I'd done, like, the worst three weeks of cold turkey in my entire life, I remember being laying down in the living room one night, and I was just dying to go to sleep. But I couldn't sleep because of the drugs. And I just said, you know, I was on my own. I had this Bible opened, and I just said, Lord, you know what? If you're real, if you're real, and if what these guys are telling me is true, then you need to show me, and you need to give me some rest. And that night I slept for like seven hours. Woke up the next day and knew that there was something real about the God that I was being told about. And my life's never been the same since. I've been married to a wonderful Portuguese girl for 21 years. I have kids. I'm uh, one of the pastors there, and I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Come on, let's give God all the praise. So, what's your life looking like from now on? What plans has God got for you? Man. So, you know, I just want to keep serving Him, keep seeking Him, keep chasing after Him, and see as many people as I possibly can come to know Him. And that's it. And that's all that matters. Nothing else matters. You know, not all the money in the world doesn't matter. You know, it's just to see as many people set free as I possibly can before I go to be with him. <laughs> Come on, let's give it up for Wayne. How good is that story? We love you, buddy. Have a chat with Wayne afterwards. We're going to be praying for people, maybe finding, maybe not in quite a situation like his because it's pretty unique, but maybe there's some addiction in your life. We want to pray over that and break that tonight. Hey, how good's the band been, everybody? Dave's got the wonderful Dave Bell sharing his story in a minute. He's got a book and a CD. Would anyone like it free? Now. Come on then, run up here. The first one up here gets it. Yeah, no, I won't get you. You just look like you've got enthusiasm. There you go. Give them away. So it's so good to be with you. Dave, over to you, my friend. Well, wasn't Wayne's testimony amazing? Thank you, Wayne. Pray for me, I've got to share a room with Wayne. Um, it's an experience. But I do feel safe. Kind of. Um, I would, uh, I, I write songs and um, I wrote a song. I know that we've all been through, it's been mentioned so many times, this, the world pandemic and how it's affected all of us. And uh, I wanted to write a song as a result of everything that was happening in the world. And, and this, this is a song where you can just sit and listen and maybe watch the screen in, uh, in the Bible. It talks about never to neglect meeting together, singing psalms, hymns, and then it also says spiritual songs. And um, this is more of a, Matt reminded me that this is more of a spiritual song. 
Um, and it, it turned out to sound a little bit like a hymn. And I wrote this song with a great friend. And because it was in the middle of the pandemic, we wrote it over a video call together. And he's called Chris Eaton. And he, he wrote this amazing song that many of you may have heard that Amy Grant sang called Breath of Heaven. It's a great song. And I said, you know, I want to talk about that God is in the midst of this. He protects us. And I love the ancient Jewish tradition where they talk about Passover and that story about painting the blood above your door and the evil spirit passed over. And that was our prayer for our church that this plague would pass over. But I started to write these lyrics out and started to watch these world events unfold and it became a like a, a prophetic song for the time that we're in. So we're going to sing this before I share my testimony with you. Um, the words will be on the screen and I really pray and hope it encourages you this evening.
Thank you so much. You're very, very kind. Um, it's, a, it's just such an honour and a privilege uh, to be with you this evening. And one of the things as a band and this team, we believe that I suppose the mandate, the call of God on my life is to stay in my lane, which is through gifted, amazing musicians and worship, that we see two things happen. We see people saved and we see people healed. And we do this event monthly. Uh, I live in a town called Lincoln, which is about three hours northeast of London. And we run this event called Worship Encounter. And month on month, we're seeing healings and we're seeing salvations. Genuine people come into Christ for the first time. One of the amazing guys, one of the guys out of Battelle was blind in his left or right eye. We prayed for him that night. And then on the Sunday, he testified because he started to read out of the Bible and he got his vision and uh, God totally restored his eye. Isn't that incredible? And the reason, yo, and the reason that we do this this evening and we hear stories like Wayne and I'm going to tell you my story is just to infuse a little bit of faith this evening. I want hope to rise so that we can believe that we'll see people healed and saved tonight. And uh, thank you for the opportunity. Um, I had the very blessed and privileged position of being born into a Christian household. Uh, my parents are senior pastors of a, a pretty well-known church in the UK. And I suppose being in that blessed and privileged position, I posed a question to life. I thought, well, I go to church every Sunday without fail. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't take drugs. What bad could possibly happen to me? But many of us all know in this room that illness, struggle, setback, financial crisis, relational breakdowns, they never ask for a polite invitation into your life. And even though I had made a decision at a very young age to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life, it says in the Bible that we have two paths to choose. We can either choose the wide, easy road, or we can choose the road that leads to life. It's the narrow, winding, adventurous road. So being a Christian didn't make me exempt from worldly things such as fear and struggle and one day my world was totally turned upside down I had a devastating um, you might actually we've got some pictures and the first picture is me of a little boy which I found quite funny look at we, we would call that you would call that a sweater we call it a jumper so that really doesn't translate very well but but that that I just found that very funny that my mum would choose to dress me in something like that it's a polar bear juggling and um I had a very blessed and privileged upbringing and had great relationships with my family and my friends. And I had a devastating cancer diagnosis that came into our world that was a, a three in a million statistic of getting. And I um, went to a hospital and it was called Ward 27. There were small children from the age of 
five and six with no hair feeding tubes pulling drips behind them and I had to become acquainted that this world of Ward 27 was going to become my new home um, and the prognosis was bleak. I had a Hickman line put into the top of my heart that hung out of a hole they made in my chest and I had months and months and months of intense chemotherapy. I was put in a bed for three or four days while poison was put through my body. Within a couple of weeks, there was more hair on the pillow than that was on my head. And I can remember one of the darkest days of my life. I drove and I had radiotherapy. I had a, a mask made of my face. I was clamped to a table, unable to move while high dose radiation was fired 25 days in a row. And then I went for chemotherapy straight off the back of that and I was in a ward and my bed was next to a, a girl that had just had her leg amputated because of this horrible disease. And I heard her screaming during the night. And then I heard the news that the little boy who I'd become great friends with on the ward, I taught him to play guitar. His battle ended a few days before Christmas day. He left the world of Ward 27. And when I heard this news as I was surrounded by death, I, I took some time out privately and I went to the, the window and I looked over the, the city and I saw it was filled with colour and light and I saw a pale cancer patient reflection staring back at me and I said, God, I really don't know what's going on here. We live in a world of mystery and seemingly un, unanswered questions. But I choose right now to believe that you are a God of miracles. I choose to believe the man Jesus that I read about in the Bible is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And you know, in life, we're given what's known as the facts. The facts are what we see in the natural. But having a relationship with Jesus, I'm aware of something higher than those facts. That's the truth. The facts are the natural, the truth is the supernatural. The facts said I was diagnosed with a life-threatening illness that attempted silence, but the truth is Jesus Christ hung on a cross 2,000 years ago so I could live my life in complete freedom. The facts said I'd have damage to the right-hand side of my face. I'd never, ever look the same again. But there's something higher than the facts. And the truth is when God designed my body, He designed it to look the way He intended it to look. I started to think about my future and the doctors said if I were to live, my life would have severe limitations on it. So I thought about, would I ever drive? Would I go to university? Would I ever get married? And um, those were all a list of facts. And what I had to do very quickly was, I had to learn that I had to face some facts. We all have to face facts in life, but we don't embrace them. We face facts, we embrace truth. And the truth is, on the 4th of August, 2007, I stood at the front of a church waiting for the most beautiful, amazing bride to walk in. And you'll see the picture. That day was my wedding day. And um, I've, I've married completely out of my league, as you're all thinking right now. He's like, no, how's he done that? And um, that's my wife, Sarah. And when I spoke with Sarah, at a young age, we got married young, and I said, Sarah, if you choose to marry me, I, I believe that's a very good decision on your part. Uh, but there are some facts that we need to talk about because we've got to face facts together. The doctor said I'd not be able to have children naturally because of the chemotherapy that's been through my body at such a young age. That's a pretty difficult conversation to have when you're a young guy and the woman you would love to marry is a qualified midwife and 
in the UK, the midwives actually do the deliveries of the babies. And she uh, sees new life being born as a profession. So we combined our faith together. I said, Sarah, I really believe that to see a miracle, all we have to do is present God with the impossible. And I believe that when God enters a situation, he doesn't leave it half finished. And so um, what I used to do when I went into hospital, because I was there for almost a year, there was a particular t-shirt that I took in. There was nothing special about the t-shirt. It just, I got it at a Christian conference and it had my name on the back of it. And the prayer teams prayed over this t-shirt. And so I would stick the t-shirt on. I would lay in a bed for about four days. And then when I came out and I recovered at home, uh, the prayer teams would pray over the t-shirt. And I remember after I got the all clear a few days before Christmas day, I took the t-shirt and we put it into a drawer out of the way. Not to be reminded of the bad things, but are a gentle reminder of God's goodness and his grace in my life. When I got married, the t-shirt came into our married home. But, but then there was a day where all everything changed for me and Sarah. And we put the t-shirt into a bag. We went to a hospital. That's what I'm very familiar with doing. And this time, the t-shirt came out of the bag. But this was a day of miracles. It was a day of breakthrough. This time Sarah put the t-shirt on. She got into a hospital bed and a number of hours later, she gave birth to our miracle son, Jackson. And uh, the Bible says that God always does exceedingly above and beyond what we could ever think, dream or imagine. And somebody, a Nigerian intercessor, intercessor came to me and prophesied that I would have double for my trouble. So I'd love to bring you right up to speed with the whole picture and I would like you to meet my miracle tribe. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yes. And um, the reason... I wanted to share this with you this evening is because what God has done in my life, he can do for you also. He's still in the business of healing 2,000 years on. I know that this may throw up some upset, some unanswered questions, a lot of mystery, but you know what? Just keep praying. Just keep turning up. Just keep going for it. And I believe that God can have a major impact in your life. Before we move on, I would love to share another song with you. And uh, I wrote this song out of everything that I've just experienced here. And it's called In the Waiting. And um, I think we could all say that in this room right now, we're in the waiting for something. Maybe you're waiting for a prodigal to come back through the church doors. Maybe you're waiting... Uh, for a healing to manifest in your life. Maybe you're waiting for a diagnosis. And I just believe that, as this song says, he's with you in the waiting. I had the honor of uh, recording a music video to this song. Um, About 40 minutes away from my house is the birthplace. Has anybody ever heard of John and Charles Wesley? They started the kind of Methodist movement. Charles Wesley... Uh, an amazing hymn writer, published over 6,000 hymns. And we sing one of his Christmas carols every year at Christmas, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. 
His brother, John Wesley, was a preacher. He preached 15 times a week and he traveled 5,000 5, miles a year by horseback. There's no Uber like horseback, 5,000 miles a year. And I read some of the extracts from John Wesley's journal. Basically, it says this, preached at this church, was kicked out for preaching the gospel. I preached at this church, I'm never allowed back. I preached at this church, not going back there again. And it's just a list of lists of in the waiting. And then at one time, it says, they wouldn't allow me in my father's old church. So I stood up on his graveside and I began to preach and 5,000 people came. And you know what? Whatever you're in the waiting for this evening, waiting time is never wasted time. So as I sing this song, whatever you're waiting for this evening, I believe he's with you in the waiting.
so much for hearing a little bit of my testimony. Is everybody okay? Feeling good? (laughs) So we want to get to a position now where we would love to be able to pray for you. And there isn't a a huge crowd this evening, so I I think people can come and receive personal prayer uh, this evening. How are we doing for time? What would time? So what I'd love to do is just bring you right up to date with my story and um, share a little bit of what God's been doing in my life. And then we're going to do one more song together and we're going to then invite you up for, for some prayer. And I don't want you to kind of be embarrassed. We're all family here. You can jump out of your comfort zones. And me, Dan Wayne and the team, we're going we're gonna to be at the front and we would, we'd just love to pray for you as these guys play. But you know, I've got a little add-on to this story. Uh, which is uh, pretty amazing. And uh, I would love to share that with you just once again, just to help faith rise. And so my parents started an event 40 years ago. That's some uh, good longevity in it, 40 years. They started an event and it's like a a family Bible weekend and all families would come together and they'd camp out and um, it reached about 13 and a half thousand people came to this event. We just last year, we celebrated our 40th year and we did a big open air festival and it was my turn to lead the worship and it was an incredible day for me. But actually a few, a month before the event, uh, you know, I'm a married man now, I'm 36 years old and I've got four miracle kids and I noticed I had um, a lump on the back of my neck. And so my first initial thoughts were thoughts of faith You know, I believe that this was nothing to do with my past. But obviously, being a human being, we have have a mind and it began to sometimes wonder. And I believe I heard the the devil kind of saying in my ear, Dave, I'm going to catch you out. And I heard that voice and I tried to listen to what I believe Jesus was saying. And I believe he said to me, Dave, do you still have the faith you did as a 16-year-old boy? And I had an honest conversation with him and I said, I believe I do. I probably borrowed a little bit of my parents back then. But yes, I have total and utter faith in you. And so I went for a biopsy and they confirmed there was something in there. And I then had to lead worship at this event. There was 3,000 people there and I knew I had something. Oh, you gave the game away a little bit earlier. <laughs> had something going on. And... I um, through an amazing friend and a miraculous story I, I had to get some specialist surgery that was a, th- a six hour operation and I, I actually came over to Dallas and I had the operation out here and they said that this isn't anything to do with your past but this needs to come out because it's in a very dangerous place and so they operated on me for six hours and it came with a major risk of facial paralysis on the left hand side of my face so I cried out to God and I said, God, why? I started to ask him, I said, you know, I feel like I've done my time when it comes to medical things. 
And uh, I just know, though, that any situation, God can use it for his good. And, you know, I love that story in the Bible, John chapter 9. The disciples say, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And he gives this amazing reply, well, neither this man or his parents sinned, but this has happened, so the work of God may be displayed in his life. And so I had to make a decision as a family. And I said, whatever this is, we're going to turn it for God's good. So I did a couple of Facebook Lives and I, I went on and I was pretty bold and I said, listen, we've just been through a pandemic. I'm going to be bold and I'm going to address some things in your life and I've got to go for a major six-hour operation so you can't get mad at me. I said, as a result of the pandemic, if you've not been coming to church, you need to get yourself back in church on Sunday morning. There's no greater place than the gathering. It says, never sin, neglect, meet together. Online is great, but in the room is better. Can we agree with that? So I encouraged a number of people. I said, you need to be in church on Sunday. I said, you know, I believe that life is fragile and short. So if you've got some broken relationships, you need to mend them right now. I said, if you're out of sorts with a loved one, I want you to pick up the phone. I want you to tell them that you love them. I want you to forgive somebody today. And I went through these things and I started to have messages come back of people that showed up at church on Sunday that hadn't been in two years. I heard a story of a lady that fell out with her mother on Christmas Day and they've not spoken since. She got in the car, drove five hours and she mended the broken relationship. And I said, if all of this has happened to me, just for a few things like that, we can give God the glory for it. And I said, pray for me as I have this operation. I met the surgeon, he was a professor. And just before we went into the operating room, we were all gathered around. And I said, would you mind if I pray for you? And he said, yes, that's fine. So I got the surgical team around. I held his hands and I laid hands on the surgeon. And I said, Father God, anoint this man. I pray that you would uh, guide his hands as he performs surgery on me. And uh, I prayed for this man. And uh, I then found out that the anaesthetist was a born-again Christian. She had downloaded some of my music. And she said, I'm going to be praying for you for the whole six hours. And so I woke up from the operation. And through a series of, of recovery over about three months, everything that the doctor has said was just a fact. I have no facial paralysis at all. And when I put the request out for prayer, I had hundreds of people commented. And there was this common thread that was coming through and it said, God's got this. And I didn't even ask anybody. That wasn't like the title of anything. I just, from all denominations, walks, backgrounds, ages, genders, Everybody was just starting to put, Dave, God's got this. And this word, God's got this, kept on coming out. So I was in the hospital in, in Dallas just before the operation. I thought, there's a good song that could come out of this called God's Got This. And so I started to write some lyrics. And I thought, you know, one more, a broken step. I can't see the summit yet. This mountain seems too high to climb. Surely I've faced my mountain and come down the other side. This one can't be mine. And then a Nigerian intercessor. Don't you love just people who are prayer warriors in your church? She came up to me and she said, you know, Dave, you fought Goliath. You've defeated him. And some Bible scholars believe that the five stones, maybe it's symbolism, they can represent five stones, one for Goliath and four for his brothers. So I said, well, what does that mean? She said, well, some theologians believe that David would have also fought Goliath's brothers. Know, a lesser a fight but still a fight in its own thing so I thought well we'll use that as well so we got that in the song and once again I would love for you to listen to this song and 
it, the simplicity, the Bible says to come with a childlike faith. And there's nothing more simple than three lines over your life, three words over your life. God's got this. So as we come out for prayer shortly, whatever you're facing, I really believe God's got this. Thank you for listening.
Courage. Anybody that's really been affected over the last three years, maybe, who suffer with depression, suffer with fear, irrational thoughts, suffer with anxiety, maybe even suicidal thoughts. Maybe I could put it like this. You see it, storm clouds gathering. I believe that the light can break through this evening. Anybody with fear, anxiety, depression, we're all family here this evening, aren't we? And I, I want to encourage you right now, and me, Dan, and, and Wayne will also pray as well. If that's for you, I'd love for you, there's no shame, embarrassment, I would, I'd love for you just to make your way out. Maybe even if you want to stand in the gap, maybe you know somebody who's not here tonight that you could pray for on their behalf. I would love it if you could just come out right now. We would love to pray for you. So if you just jump up out of your seat and come to the front, going to pray over you as well.
make your way out to the front now and we would love to pray for you.
Amen. Well, some people are still being ministered to, but it's been great to have friends from the UK with us. Amen. Amen. Do you guys enjoy the ministry? So appreciative of their testimonies. They are an awesome bunch. Uh, They have many more stops to go while they're in the U.S. They have several more meetings. And so we want to be a blessing to them. And so there's a bucket over there by Pastor Bob on your way out. If you feel led to give, you can sow into their ministry and be in a part of the ministry that's not only happening here, but around the world. And then I also encourage you to stop by their book table. Uh, Dave Bell's got a book. He's got a worship CD. I think it's $20 for both. That's a heck of a deal. And uh, that'll be a blessing to you and a blessing to them. And so if you need more prayer, if you need more ministry, you can get with these guys. We encourage you uh, uh, to communicate with them. They love to pray for you. They love to help you walk through uh, and get breakthrough. Uh, But we appreciate you being here. Make sure to stop by the table and you are dismissed in Jesus' name.